Hello and welcome to the TBG Real Estate Podcast, where we connect you with some of the most innovative and exciting real estate leaders today. We will show you that there are numerous paths to a successful career in the real estate industry, and that some of your greatest missteps can be turned into your greatest triumphs. Without further ado, here's the head of TBG Real Estate, Chris Papa. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Chris Papa, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. Tom Snyder. Tom is the Director of Operations with Roofstock, which is based out of Oakland, California. How are you, Tom? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So Roofstock is, uh, I guess we'll start out with Roofstock. I mean, um, I've, I'm pretty familiar with Roofstock. I have a history with a lot of the employees there from their previous uh, iterations and different companies and all. But um, why don't you, can you tell the audience what Roofstock is and how it's kind of evolved over the last couple of years? Yeah. So what Roofstock is, is it's a company that's trying to solve for liquidity in the single family rental space. And what I mean by that is we're trying to make it really easy for people to, to buy and sell uh, no matter where they're at. Remotely, I say primarily. We have two different customer bases. We have a retail business where individuals are coming in and buying and selling individual assets. Uh, and we have a, a little investment bank business where we service institutional funds, private REITs, uh, public REITs. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So uh, all, all kinds of different flavors of, of transactions and you know, working in the operation side. I actually am now on the investor education side, but I you know, <laughs> initially worked on the product side and then in operations to you get to see a little bit of everything. I mean, you know, people who work in real estate long enough, they realize no property is the same, no transaction is the same. Um, so solving for liquidity, making it easy for people to trade. I am on your email lists where you get new properties and you can kind of go on the website and check it out. I love it. I mean, it, it seems like it's like, it's like, all right, here's a single family house in Indianapolis and it's valued at whatever hundred thousand dollars or something. And it's like, you can play around with like, all right, if I put down this percentage and the property management fee is this, this is my, what my returns going to be. I love it. It's very, it's so it makes investing in that extremely easy. Um, for, you know, the person who doesn't have the time to necessarily, you know, run the numbers, hire the crews, property management themselves. Like it just, it seems like it's a very, um, it's, it's automatic kind of process. Just kind of click a button. And, and like, I guess you guys verify all this stuff or like, what's the process on your, in the back end? Yeah. So, you know, kind of, as you were alluding to uh, a couple of very smart founders who, who put the company together with a lot of institutional um, experience is basically kind of taking, taking, you know, wall street to main street. So the, the value add that we do, like, like you're kind of alluding at in making it really easy is, doing all that diligence work that you would do if you were um, a large um, fund that are well-funded that collect all these data points, right? Um, and just giving that stuff away. So um, what we do when we list a property to make it you know, easy to make that yes, no buy decision is the first thing is we um, have a whole bunch of data that we'll reference. We have this pr proprietary neighborhood score that we use that looks into economic indicators, crime, school, um, and it's out of five. So we'll give uh, the neighborhood a score. We'll also look at if the property is occupied, the payment history of the property, um, the ledger. We'll also look at the lease, make sure that those two are in sync. Um, I forgot what the, per what the percentage is, but a good amount of properties that get submitted to us to list, we'll say, no, this 
you know, this is uh, a fine property, but it's not roof stock standard. So, mm-hmm. um, cause you know, a threat that, that we see is sellers who see roof stock as a way to get out of properties that, you know, they're, they're just trying to get rid of, but you know, our reputation is on the line with each one of these properties that we sell. So we need to be really, um, you know, disciplined about what kind of properties we can list because ultimately it's our, our name on the line. So all the information you can see, as I said before, um, the neighborhood score, school scores, that inspection, we also will coordinate an inspection on the property mm-hmm. um, as well as the a redacted version of the payment history. So you have somebody going out and you have acquisition folks or something like at Roofstock or going out and like looking at all these properties and making sure like it's up the Roofstock standards, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have um, an operations team with third-party inspectors. I mean, within uh, the properties, we ultimately represent the seller who's selling the property. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a third-party inspection company to do this work and to coordinate, you know, collection from the existing property manager on leases and inspections and all that, all that good stuff. And you know, something new that we started doing to add some additional inventory on the website is. Uh, using our technology, we'll look through what's listed on the MLS and identify properties that we think would make uh, an exciting rental opportunity um, and listing those properties on the site as well. So it's it's a mix of some of these exclusive listings mm-hmm. as well as some properties that are, uh, you know, curated from the MLS that we've identified. And then I, I saw some, did you have a, a, a program where you're kind of doing like partial ownership of these properties? Is that still something that you're doing? Yeah, this is something uh, we're really excited about. It's we, it's called Roofstock One is the program. And what it does is it, it it sort of inverts a REIT on its head where, you know, within a REIT, you're buying a percentage of a collection of homes, where with Roofstock One, you're buying a percentage of an individual home. Um, and right now it's limited to accredited investors, but we see this as a, as a potential huge unlock in the business with regards to making it you know, solving that initial problem that I talked about, liquidity, making it so people can get in and out really quickly on these on these properties. And it's a, a brand new program that's, uh, shoot, I think, you know, not even a year since the kind of conception of the idea. Um, and we had an initial release sold out of the properties that we were listing. And um, sometime in the very new future, we're going to be releasing a bunch of new properties within the Roofstock One piece. And Who, Who's your typical investor in like the retail portion of it? Is it just... Uh, Guys who are just like trying to diversify, like, like, and why not put this money in like index funds or something? And why, why put it in real estate? Yeah. I, you know, I'd say as far as background, um, it's a lot of, uh, some people who, you know, want to b- invest in rental properties, but they can't maybe because they live in an area like we were talking about before in the Bay area where it's just like absolutely brutal. Um, you know, there are some, I'd say it's split between people who are just new to investing and looking to get in. Um, and what's, what's cool about Roofstock is I love the analogy as the river guide, right? Well, you know, we have lender partners. You can use them if you want, or if you have your own, you can use your own. We have mm-hmm. property managers partners. You can use them. So I'd say it's a split between people who are just getting started to more advanced investors that already have a portfolio. And also in, I'd say typically coastal or, you know, areas that are a little bit more expensive to invest in your own backyard. But, you know, that's just generalities. And so, who are, so Tom, tell me, take me through your background a little bit. I mean, how did you, how did you end up in in Roofstock? I see that you, I mean, you kind of worked your way a number of years in the SFR world, but like, can you tell me like where you grew up and kind of how you got into real estate? Yeah. So, uh, interesting background. I went to 
uh, UC Berkeley where I was, uh, I, I played on the football team and I was a kicker and my kicking okay. coach was a guy named Doug Bryan. Who's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, a serial entrepreneur in the space <laughs> and he was just starting, uh, a, a company at the time it was called wheel Bryan. Then it eventually was called waypoint homes. And then it got acquired by invitation homes. But anyways, uh, mm. just out of college, he was my kicking coach and I was interning for him. Um, you know, that's so funny. He, he was he was a football kicking coach. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He. Uh, I mean, he was doing it. He's a Cal guy and just super supportive of the school and wanted to help uh, help the school out. And he helped me. And it's he statistically improved my kicking percentage like significantly. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, kind of near the tail end of my f- football career, I started interning him with him in this company. And this was two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sky was falling. Right. Prices were falling off a cliff. Uh, but he was really insightful with his partner, Colin Wheel, in identifying that, yeah, the prices are falling, but the rents are staying really stable, if not going up. Mm. So they started buying houses. Um, I was, uh, you know, just finishing up senior year. I think I had read, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. the kind yeah. of harp, harps on, you know, real estate and systems. And, you know, he, he started bringing me in to, to intern him for him. And this was, uh, you know, it was a very small company, whereas I was fortunate enough to wear like a million different hats. Uh, and, you know, my internship went from, you know, one day to three days a week to five days a week to six days a week to just, hey, I think let's just do this full time and, and run with it. So um, I was, you know, fortunate just by kind of circumstance to get hooked up with Doug and mm. to work at his company and basically go from, I think, the second or third employee to, I think, by the time we got acquired by Invitation Homes at I think we had, or actually it was Colony Homes that bought us. I want to say we had like 700 employees or close to 1,000 employees. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that whole SFR world started, everyone started eating each other up kind of, right? It was like this consolidating. It, exactly, yeah. You know, and it's it's funny to think about uh, the buy side of it where, you know, come 2010, 2012, we're trying to be real sharpshooters, you know, only accepting certain cap rates and then, you know, the big whales come in and they're, they're taking everything and it turned out to be the right move. You know, mm-hmm. uh, properties continue to appreciate for the next couple of years. And it was just a super interesting case study, both as the company and the industry as well. And so I know Roofstock started with a bunch of folks who were doing like, they weren't doing Roofstock, right? They, they had another company that was doing more in the, in the SFR world and they had the property management company as well. And the, how, when did like that, or how did the formulation of like, Hey, we can, and why wasn't this kind of done before? It seems like, I guess it's, I mean, I don't know what it takes to, to, to make a website like this happen, but it seems like, hey, why can't people just go on a website and invest in real estate? Why, why, why did you guys do it like most effectively? And yeah, I think, that, I think that speaks to the leadership. So, you know, what's been, what's been good about our businesses, our business within Roofstock is there's, there's multiple lines of business. Um, and the founder, uh, Gregor Watson, who's a, a serial entrepreneur in the space is one of the co-founders and he had the street lane, which is the property management company. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what Roofstock has had an advantage of is right out the gates, our, our, our founders had a pretty deep connections within the different institutions. So, you know, when we turn the lights on, we immediately had business and connections within the larger funds, um, mm-hmm. some of these public traded REITs. So instantly had a lot of inventory there. Along with that, um, there are three co-founders, Gregor, serial entrepreneur, started the property management company. He was also buying homes similar to uh, Waypoint Homes and managing them. Uh, Rich Ford, another 
awesome, awesome guy. He's uh, an investment banker who came in from Jefferies and he's done the deals with all of the major groups within the SFR space. So Rich was able to come in and basically turn on our um, platform for trading between institutions right away, just because he's just very well known in the industry. And Gary, who's the, the, the CEO at Roofstock, who was the CEO at the company that I was with at Waypoint, mm. um, just had a lot he, of, he had of the place kicking knowledge. Uh, not, no, that's Doug <laughs> Ryan, but, uh, oh, it was Doug, sorry. yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, who knows? Gary might be able to kick a little bit too. Maybe it's just a, <laughs> a real estate thing, but Gary came in and just had kind of a, you know, financial expertise. He was, uh, helped take Zillow or excuse me, uh, zip realty public. Um, yeah. but just kind of a, so th- between those three was just, was really, I think a key to the success in, in getting the company to where it is right now between Rich, Gregor and Gary. So it's more, it's like, it's a mix of technology i mean you have to build the technology which i think must be extremely hard to that must be a really hard thing to do like get it out to all these people and yeah. work effectively and like and also i mean the, the risk of like having like you said i mean your role is now like a, a educator right i mean these people must have a ton of questions like especially people who aren't necessarily like well versed in real estate investing like they must have so many questions and like I'm sure there's sort of like a, a legal liability thing on your end where you have to make sure people are taken care of and not just throwing money into something they know nothing about, right? Is it is there a lot of that as well? Totally. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing with real estate education is there's just so much information out there that I think it could be a little bit blinding. Uh, when, when people talk about the color white, right? That's every single color coming at you at once. Yeah. I think it's a lot of the time like people trying to get started with real estate and what with the program that I run with Roofstock Academy, it, it kind of breaks it down uh, to its elements with with finance, with building a buy box, with, um, you know, we have a whole bunch of on-demand lectures and then couple that with coaching from, you know, not not marketing folks, but investors who've done it, do it professionally um, and do it personally as well. Um, but, you know, for the the technology that Roofstock has, it's it's really a great aggregator of, of information. Um, we we spend a big chunk of money on on buying a lot of data. So uh, things that come up within our website when you're analyzing a property, you know, like our neighborhood score. There's just a lot that went into that. Where if you were doing it um, just kind of on your own, it's you're you're you need to tie a ton of different pieces together. And this wasn't happening before, right? I mean, it was just it wasn't no. cap- wasn't possible, or just kind of no one thought of it. Uh, I I don't you know. It's it's just hard, I, you know. I, I I'm sure that people have thought of it, you know, just at a, at a high level, but it, it's tricky. Um, there's a when, when Waypoint would buy a home, right, and then they manage it and then they rent it out. Uh, I mean, they they would only sell that generally like to big institutions, right? They would sell like big chunks, like fifteen, twenty, hundred, two hundred homes, yeah. right? They weren't selling them off one by one, and now. You kind of are. That's what you're. That's what you guys do, right? You're kind of selling it one by one, generally. But then you have the other component where you're selling off the big portfolios. Exactly. I, you know, and I got a, a funny uh, story that Gregor has when he was trying to sell, I think, 500 homes in Dallas. He went to this brokerage and he's like, "Hey, I, I have this list of properties I want to sell. Can you take the listings?" And you'd think like the brokerage would be like, "Wow, that's amazing. Yes, let's do it." And the broker sat down for a while and then looked back up at. Gregor and says, I, I can't sell your properties. And Gregor's like, why not? And, and the broker's like, I don't own 500 signs. And it's like, are, <laughs> yeah. you, are you kidding me? Like, is the industry this, uh, yeah. you know, not ready for this? So, um, you know, it's been a lot of learning as we're going along, both on the the larger scale, 
you know, larger portfolio sales as well as the individual sales. Um, another tricky thing that I think is, is sort of a barrier to entry and kind of part of the moat is selling and buying in each region is, is pretty unique. Um, so, you know, there's areas up in the mid, the Midwest where they have certain type of inspection requirements that the city does, you know, where you won't see that in some areas. Um, I think in underwriting these properties could be unique where, you know, some properties tax considerations vary pretty significantly. So when we're putting a property and doing diligence on it, it's like, we need to understand the kind of intricacies of each of these different regions when we're showing returns. Cause I mean, a, a huge part of our success as a company is, can we be, you know, deliver on what we're showing the returns to be. Yeah. How accurate. I mean, I get those and I'm like, I get those. Uh, oh, and it says the returns and I'm like, I wonder like, is that like a pretty accurate return? I'm sure you're going to say yes, but I, I, but I, I, I'm always, uh, not just you guys, but just in general, like when I see something on like, I guess that's why you, you do the educational portion too, like to make people feel more comfortable. Right. Cause like I, I'm like, and I know the guys who, you know, who run a lot of the guys who run behind the scenes of rootstock and still even I'm like, I wonder how accurate these numbers are, right? Um, yeah. You know, we have a case study where, uh, you know, a couple of a hundred of the early properties that we've sold where we integrated with the local property manager and seen how they performed. And they performed pretty darn close with regards to percentage of return. Um, I think the the properties had some tailwinds in that there's been pretty great appreciation the last couple of years. So um, I'd say probably a little bit higher returns on the appreciation and maybe a little bit lower on the cash flow, but still pretty darn close. I think it's like, close to 25%, you know, year over year, which is just really, really great. Um, but you know, what I, what I say to a lot of people within Roofstock Academy is, you know, in doing the analysis, trust, but verify, you know, especially the two key pieces as it relates to the price of the property and what is the market rent of the property. Right. Mm. And so what, did, what was your, did you pretend you're just getting out of college and you don't happen to have a kicking coach that's in this in this, in this world, uh, like what would you suggest to folks who are trying to like get into real estate? And like, I mean, the SFR space is, is a pretty new asset class that's been institutionalized. Right. Um, and I think some people might love it and some people might say that's a little too niche for me, but like what, what kind of skill set do you need in order to, to be a great, you know, to get into one of these SFR companies? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, leaving your, at least me coming in, like in my position, like leaving the ego at the door. And, you know, that sounds like kind of cliche, but it, it's pretty easy in working, you know, especially with a startup, like you're, you're going to start, you're not going to have a very high salary. Mm. You know, I, you know, I don't know what your title is going to be, you know, but basically do whatever you can to get in a position to, to be uncomfortable and to, to wear a lot of different hats. So I, I think that's something that's great about going to work at, a company that's a little bit smaller and that you can get exposed to a lot of stuff. Um, I think for some people, you know, they, they need to be at a, a certain salary, you know, for whatever reasons, but if you don't have to um, go run into the fire, run to where, you, you know, you can be the most impactful. And oftentimes that's like with the smaller companies. Do you, do you have like a, I mean, you must have a high uh, tolerance of risk, right? I mean, you came out of Cal, really good school. I'm sure you could have had a ton of different jobs at like, larger companies i mean there was was there something in you like did you want to work at a smaller shop where you could kind of get your hands dirty and everything or were you just kind of just fell into it like whatever but i'm sure a lot of people have been like nope i'm going to work i'm going to work at jeffrey's I'm, going, I'm sure you could have had that opportunity if you wanted to right yeah and you know i have a, a family business that has been running for a couple of generations that was 
uh, I think potentially available for me to go work at. But, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I, the rich, rich dad, poor dad kind of like, Oh, what, you know, what's out there as it relates to real estate and what's out there as it relates to, you know, system building, um, on the technology side. So I knew that's something that I wanted to, to get exposure to. Um, and, you know, oftentimes in, in going to work at some place like this, where you're, where you're able to be exposed to a lot of different stuff, you can over time, you know, kind of float towards more specific stuff. And for, for me, that was at the time in the technology side in, um, uh, you know, building the systems, building the boxes for doing the work. Where are you seeing, are you seeing more of the, uh, single family companies kind of, wh- where do you see this SFR world going? Um, and is, where do you see Roofstock going over the next couple of years? Yeah. You know, something we've seen over the last, I'd say like five years is there's, I love the analogy, um, uh, like with the gold rush where, mm. You know, initially, there's a lot of people out mining for gold, and over time, there's a lot more people selling axes and picks and yeah, and all of that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So <laughs> I, I think there's there's more of that of uh, more service providers versus the, the folks actually kind of getting into the trenches. Um, something I see also is companies that are investing more in secondary and tertiary markets. So of the actual operators that are doing the buying and owning more folks getting getting into those you know second tier cities uh in mm. smaller cities just because those bigger cities they've been picked over and they're really competitive uh pricing so talking about atlanta talking about dallas talking about uh chicago and those cities so where we're seeing a lot more action and uh, from operators is more of like the cincinnati and the memphises and in some of those cities interesting and, and roofstock is are they developing any more programs or any, any, any behind the scenes stuff that you could let us in on? Yeah. So, you know, one thing that we are working on and I think, you know, won't be too far out is ideally, you know, we're trying to make this as passive as possible. Um, and I feel like we've come a long way with regards to the acquisition and disposition piece, which is really our core mission. Um, but where I think would be a, a big game changer is, you know, what can we do in between as it relates to ownership? So I think offering more services as it relates to asset management and, and helping support owners. Um, Cause I mean, right now, as I mentioned, you know, Roofstock is sort of the river guide where we have these great partners that we partnered with to hand you off to. But if we can get to a point where, you know, you can buy from Roofstock and then you're, you're getting your monthly rent checks from Roofstock, like that would be really powerful. Oh yeah. <laughs> that would be powerful. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. You're just, uh, almost becoming like like a, just a bank or, or something, right? Where it's just everything's, right? You're just handling all the, all the behind-the-scenes stuff of what you're investing the money into. Yeah, um, and some, some other fun stuff we're working on within um, Academy is, is more content around uh, other ways to tap into appreciation with, you know, you know cash-out refinances and, and just more stuff on finance, um, getting into, you know, syndicating funds with friends, building a template for that, um, you know, 1031s, all of that, all of that good stuff, international investors coming in. We see a lot of, uh, demand for that. So more content for the, for those guys. Yeah. If you, if any listeners out there have not signed up on the Roofstock website, go on there, I would suggest it and, and sign up and get your, you, know, you get just emails every once in a while about the new listings. Um, and I'm, I'm actually going to try one of those. Is it a webinar that you guys do or is, there, or is it a, 
Yeah, so uh, we do a, we do a bunch of different stuff. So we have a program that we sell that includes uh, a year of coaching and um, a bunch of other benefits, uh, like fifty hours worth of lectures. But we do webinars all the time um, on stuff. We just did a great one on analyzing properties a uh, hundred thousand dollars and under. Um, okay. So I think we're we're going to have those kind of ones where we we call them like deal tanks very regularly. But on the website, if you register, you'll uh, kind of get get updates on that and. For the Roofstock Academy site, where you get the year of coaching, it's at roofstockacademy.com. Yeah, I'm going to check out one of those webinars. Um, you guys do a podcast yet, or what? You guys definitely feel like you should be doing a podcast. In in the works, in the works, we have one that is uh, just going through the approval process. I think we have like six episodes in right now, so something oh, really? coming. Yeah, and our, you know, with 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 you know podcasts as you're aware you know you need a you need a niche right and ours is a remote real estate investing so there's there's tons of great podcasts out there on real estate investing mm-hmm. where we're going to be really focused on is the the remote aspect so you know buying in one area when you're living in another are you the host uh we have a, a couple of us we have three of us but yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm one, one of the hosts you got a good voice you <laughs> sound like a host voice it's great <laughs> oh thank you thank you uh well it's great man i think uh i mean roofstock's it's it's really interesting. I mean, someone who's I, I invest in real estate. And I, I just happen I'm involved in the market in the industry, right? So I know people who invest in real estate. So I can put my money directly with them, right? Um, but there's most people aren't don't know people building you know condo buildings in San Francisco. You know they don't know anyone who's doing that kind of stuff, or or the people they do know are just not very institutional at all. So like part of like it's as someone who's done this before made the mistake of investing with someone who's not very institutional, it's, it's awful. Like there's no reporting. You have no idea when you get your money. They have no updates. It's just, it's just stressful, very stressful. And like, so I guess, I mean, Roofstock is making that easier because it's like you're getting that institutional quality reporting, right? Yeah. Just making it simple, making it simple, taking, you know, what our, what our leadership team have learned and uh, just putting it out to the masses. Yes. Yeah, so it makes it. I mean, it's great if you don't have access to any of these real estate investment, like institutional real estate investment shops, which most people don't. Um, awesome, man. So, are you ready to be put on the hot seat? I uh, let's do it. I I, uh, I I am if I need to be. The hot seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They do this through services, which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofits, startups, and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They have also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So. They outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com. K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. It's getting hot in here. What books do you recommend? You already said Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So you can't say that one. You already said that way. Um, oh, let's see. I, you know what? I just, I started, I'm a big audible guy. I don't know how to read, but I can listen very well. Uh, you know, some classic ones, how to win friends or how to win friends and influence people is such a good one. You know, getting ahead, like don't be a jerk, you know, golden rule is, is, is really important. Um, what else is there? Uh, 
oh, um, Homo Deus. Who's, who's the guy? He he writes about kind oh, of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, what I'm talking about. I, yeah. I love his stuff. His stuff is yeah. really good. What what else have I been reading lately? Uh, I'd say those are the uh, those are the most recent ones I've I've been into on a regular nice. basis. Yeah. How about podcasts? You got any podcasts you listen to regularly? Uh, let's see. I, I guess uh, you know I. It's been a little bit, uh, you know, kind of like daily updates, you know, just news wise. I'll listen to the daily sometimes. Um, what else do I listen to? Uh, you know, sports. Part of my take is a pretty fun. I mean, those guys are pretty, pretty engaging and fun, fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the main ones that I, that I listen to. Nice. Uh, I saw you guys advertising on Bigger Pockets for a while there too. Yeah. That's yeah. Those That's those guys are a juggernaut. Um, we went to their conference last oh, year. You did. And, it was incredible. You know, I, I having been to a lot of the, those type of conferences, I mean, oftentimes the ratio of vendors to, you know, participants and customers is, 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 you know, one yeah. direction where there's <laughs> yeah. a lot more vendors, but there's just so many people. It was, it was cool. I think they got something really special over there. I sure. think that, been, I mean, that sounds like an ideal market for you guys. I mean, there's a lot of people trying to learn how to do it and it just, it, you guys simple. I mean, I, when I started, working or getting on the, the uh, Roofstock website, I was looking, I was like, man, I, this is years ago. And I was like, I'm going to start investing in real estate out of state. And then I just went on your website and it was like, it made it so simple. It was just a simple process. It was straightforward. It was like a lot of the mystery was taken away. Um, so anyways, it was just, it made, then you could, you could, do, I don't know, it made it simpler. Even if I just wanted to like, all right, invest through Roofstock a couple of times, learn how to do it and then start doing it on my own type of thing. You know what I mean? Like it just, I don't know. I just made it, it was a clear picture of how like the process works. Yeah. Um, I'd say there's, you know, there's definitely some crossover with the, the bigger, bigger pockets community and us. Um, I'd say a lot of the bigger pockets posts, like they're looking to do the rehab. They're looking um, a good amount of them, I think are looking to be a little bit more hands-on and, and local yeah. with it. But there, there are definitely are some remote folks that do it, but just my kind of, uh, you know, and just looking through a lot of the content there, they uh, are, more hands-on versus kind of remote and remote yeah, they want to be overseeing, overseeing the, the uh, general contractor and stuff like that, which is someone some people just don't have the don't make the time for, including myself. Yeah. Um, now, what do you like to do outside of work? Oh, uh, what do I do outside of work? I um, hmm, nothing. I no, no. I, well, the, the the kind of you know, I, we live over. We were talking about in the San Francisco Bay Area. I love to go to Tahoe and go skiing and snowboarding and that fun stuff. I um. I'm fortunate my parents live close by, so go golfing with my dad and nice. uh, just had a just had a kid. Um, oh, congratulations. You know, three, four months ago, so joined wow. the dad club. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In I'm the heat dad. of it. I'm a so. dad. Julio, our producer, uh, my producer just had a kid too, not that long ago. So um I am telling you, good. something about tw- 2019, 2020, a lot of uh uh a lot of lot of lot of kids. Everyone's uh, having babies. What's going on yeah. out here? It's 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 great. Yeah. So, so that's been my main thing outside of work, you know, dad stuff. Nice. Now, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Ooh, you know, I, my advice would be, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about when you, you know, working at a smaller company, like it, it could, it can be easy to like get your ego in the way. Right. So like, Oh, I, I should be making more money or, 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 or you know, like, you can you can get in your own own head that way versus really appreciating what's available. Mm. Um, so I would say get out of your own head, get as uncomfortable as possible, learn as much as possible. You know, twenties for learning, thirties and forties for earning. Like you know, oh, really like <laughs> get yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, 
That's great. I, I mean, had a great, I had a great boss who gave me that, that, uh, yeah. that quote. I like that. I'm going to, uh, I mean, I have a couple of 20 people in their twenties that work for me. And when they start complaining or feel like they're working too hard, I'm just going to say that twenties are for learning. Yeah. That's right. I'd say um, just, you know, get get out of your own head and, and, uh, really focus on what's available. Cool. Now, what do you look for when you're hiring people like at Roofstock or if you're hiring contractors or some of that stuff, like what kind of personality yeah, kind I'd of, say uh, qualities in hiring, uh, employees, uh, a big, big thing for me, I like, I, I think uh, diverse school skill set is super important and people that I trust. I mean, that's something that's really easy to say, but, um, you know, I like people, you know, asking the questions about like, you know, oh, what, you know, what's your, what's your downside or what, you know, what are your concerns about your abilities for the role? And I, I will listen to the, my, my, my BS detector and, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty thoroughly. So like, sniffing out kind of honesty, um, and like a real assessment. Um, and like I said, like diversity of skill, um, within Roofstock Academy, we, we hired a, an absolute all-star guy who, uh, he, 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 uh, previously was in Cirque du Soleil, like, you know, oh, really? of, yeah, like I think like interesting <laughs> backgrounds and someone who's like, you know, up for taking risks. And as I said before, kind of harping on it, like good with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of experience is really awesome. Yeah. And with regards to hiring contractors, I think the most important thing is to be consistent in the way that you vet them. So, you know, if I, and, and also to talk to many, like it could be easy to be lazy and say, ah, I'm just going to talk to this one person. Ah, it's good enough. But what I, what I find is the most successful way to go about it is build your interview template questions and talk to multiple, right? Um, so if I'm hiring a property manager, um, I'm, I'm going to have some questions related to the company, like what's your background, uh, what's your founder's story. And then questions about their performance, like what's their, uh, you know, occupancy level, all that good stuff mm-hmm. and be consistent with everyone you talk about. The last thing I'm going to add in about hiring an employee okay. is I'd say one of the, the mistakes that I've made is when I've what I'll, what I'll say, I'll be Jersey chasing, which is like looking at someone's resume and say, oh, oh, cool. You went to this school or, oh, cool. You worked at this company. And then letting that bypass some red flags that I've had on yeah. the person. Those are the only times, you know, consistent times where I'm like, ah, this isn't going to work after they've started. So not getting enamored with some of those resume highlight, you know, items. It's hard not, it's hard not to. I understand. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, uh, there's, Man, find people that are, you know, yeah, honesty, you know, trustworthy and, and show some grit. What's the name of your podcast? Can you, do you know it? Do you know the name of it yet? It's uh, The Remote Real Estate Investor. It is, like I said, I think we just submitted to Apple today. So uh, I think it probably will be early next week where we're, where we're going live. Well, I look forward to, to checking it out. Tom, you're a great guy. It's been great getting to know you. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. Please visit us online at tbg-realestate.com or on Instagram at tbg.realestate. Until next time, have a great week.